Welcome to episode 148 of In The Move Podcast. I'm Peter Shepherd. I'm Callum Reid. And we're, we're still going. <laughs> we're still going. It's a perfect night for passion fruit cider. Really? Yes, I found. I'm sure it isn't a perfect night to be cooped indoors. Uh, it was quite nice earlier, actually. Yeah, it was 21 degrees today. Mm. And the heat wave is on. Yeah, yeah, because I've been freezing my backside off all week. <laughs> <laughs> I was meaning to ask you this. Are you going to the tennis? The Birmingham tennis? It's I coming up, be. isn't it? I might be. I, I, uh, if the bills can be paid and uh, things can be wangled, then uh, I might try and get a ticket for the weekend. Maybe semi-finals day, I think. Do some wangling, definitely. Mm. Is, that, is it next week? It's, uh, when's the French Open? Is the French Open finishing this weekend? Yes. Yeah, then it's the weekend. It'll be, it'll be a week on uh, Saturday. Nice. But they've got oh. half the top 20 this year. Wow. Is it, it is it first tier now, then? Yeah, well, it's second tier, so it's not uh, massive, but um, I'm actually quite disappointed, because much like the films, <laughs> when it was all, <laughs> I actually quite liked going and seeing like the random, obscure um, Slovakian girl that no one had heard of. Because I'd sit, because usually it'd be like someone like um, Iona Raluca Alaru, who's a Romanian girl who I saw yeah. in the first round of the U.S. Open, getting blitzed by Justine Enan back in something like 2007. And you like see six nil, six love, six, three love down, and then suddenly for the last like six games, she makes a real contest of it, and you think, oh, you're quite, you've got. You got a nice style. Promise. You yeah, you at least you didn't give up. You got a bit of spot fight to you. So there's a lot, of, a lot of players out there like that that I've watched down the years. And I, and Birmingham is the place where you get got always got to see them because uh, they can only have one top ten player, and it was a 64 uh, per, person draw. So anybody, but basically who wanted to play that week could. So um, I don't think that's. Really has it good. gone? Has it gone down to 32? Uh, it was, might still be 64, but. Um, uh, it's uh, there's a lot of people I do want to see playing. Yeah, but the thing Hello. is, you... <laughs> I actually yeah. saw Hanscover win at Birmingham. It was a, the final was rained out on the on the Sunday, and I went on the Monday for five pounds to see a final that wasn't televised. So only the people in the ground saw that get, saw that match. Wow, a victory mm. of what one of three or something, isn't it? Oh no, she's. I think she's might be about near approaching double figures now. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So the tennis is underway. Mm. I'm getting it. I'm feeling I might want a match soon. Tennis match. I've got that feeling. Yeah, I um, I enjoy playing, but um, finding someone to play with is always the problem. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> the eternal problem. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Any more news non-film related this week? Uh, we... Seth Blatter. Seth Blatter's resigned. Ding Finally. Dong, ding dong, the witch is dead. Exactly. Oh my god. Um, and it's about time really, isn't it? Oh, so 17 overdue. years. They've just got to... Um, I don't know if they can strip that Qatar bid. Because it's ridiculous. The, 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 the Qatar World Cup is not actually what the bid was. <laughs> What do you mean? I mean, they, they bid on the basis of a Summer World Cup, and now they're saying it's feasibly impossible, so it's going to have to, uh, all the all the leagues in Europe are going to have to restructure the leagues and uh, let the players have a Winter World Cup. No, that's not what you bid on. That's not why you won. I think that can be. I definitely don't think Russia's going to be 
going to change because it's no. too too soon. It's too but late, yeah. Um, yeah, I think they should re- seriously reconsider that because it's just going to be ridiculous mm. for audiences and for players. Yeah, it's going to wreck um, the, all the all the leagues. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. Okay. Birthdays. So, birthdays. Oh, did you get my text earlier? I, yeah, a, a Cal texted me earlier saying you'll never. It was something like you know, Look at who's on birthdays this week. Of course, number one on the star meter is in number the, one. <laughs> number is in, one is Imogen Poots. <laughs> How has she managed to be number one above Tony Curtis? <laughs> I know it's because she's uh, that, that. That's based on how many people are searching for her to d- this re- recently. Yeah, in the last twelve months. But twenty six. I did think she was younger than that. Um, I would have thought about 23, 24, But uh, so it is surprising that she's that old. Yeah. Mm. Um, but of course, um, Imogen Poots' best performance. Uh, uh, Jimmy, always by my side. Sheffield Award winner, Imogen Poots. <laughs> <laughs> I would go with from my very limited viewing of Imogen Poots. Uh, uh, what was it? The quartet one, a late quartet. A late quartet. Yeah, she is good in that. She like um, she's fine. Yeah, it's well, it's not going to be random. Also, um, she, she's, she's in, in cracks. T- She's in twenty eight weeks later as well, mm. which is which is pretty decent. Mm. Um, Tony Curtis, special mention for Tony Curtis, um, Daily Departed. Yeah, hilarious in uh, something like it hot, just a perfect performance. Really. Especially when impersonating the yacht captain. Yes, that is nothing. One of the when highlights. He, yeah, when he, when he's when Monroe is trying to seduce him. He's, yeah, it's just it's just completely perfect. But uh, I wasn't uh, that aside. I mean, he was a very big name actor at the time. Obviously, big big Hollywood star. I guess the, the the Defiant Ones is probably the one that really stands out. Apart from that, in his resume, because that's uh, him and uh, Sydney Poitier. Yes, when they, um, go, when they go on the run, and that's a very decent film. And no one ever really talked about it ever. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I thought it was all right. Mm. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, the thing is, it won Sydney Poitier BAFTA. Mm, yeah, I, I think it might have did done it win the globe. Effect. It won the globe. Did it win the globe? Best picture. It may have won something at Venice as well. Uh, mm. It was at Berlin and won Best Actor Poitier. Right. Mm. Um, best and, New York Film Critics Circle Best Film. WGA, probably the, the DJ, main contender DJ, then. Yeah, DJ nommed. Very and um, it did uh, it did get best picture and direct and nominated the Oscars. It was all over the Oscars. It was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine nominations. Yeah, mm. but as soon as you get a double actor nom, that's pretty big. Tri- triple, quadruple. Oh, you mean they got two supportings in there as well? But yeah, yeah. yeah. Whenever you got something there, you know it's a, either a bad year or a, a film they really like, or both. Yeah, same with Sleuth in '72, mm. really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've also got um, Anthony Harvey, who we talked about before. Have we? Well, in general, um, I actually think his career as an editor is more impressive than as a director, personally. Even though he did do the line in Winter. Which is amazing. Yeah. I've, 
I heard good things about Dutchman as well. He did a mm. film called Dutchman. He did The Abdication with Liv Ullman, uh which uh, is her and uh, I believe it's Peter Finch off the top of my head. Right. Uh, it's about um, uh, 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 you know Queen Christina. Uh, Garbo. Yeah. The actual story of that and her giving up the uh, uh, crown. Um and then he, he did another one with um, uh, Live Again called Richard's Things, which I blind bought. I think it's from like 80 or 1981. It's her and the woman from New Tricks, um, Amanda, Amanda Redman. When she was yes. doing it, and it's a lesbian content there. Uh, so it's a bit kinky. Wasn't but, that also at Venice or something? Mm, one or not? I think Live One. Everyone, I think yeah. Liv may well have won for that. But as an editor, he uh, he was uh, Kubrick's editor for Lolita and Doctor Strangelove, and also did uh, Brit Flicks with The L Shaped Room and The Spy Came In From The Cold. Oh. Uh, so when you take those four from an editor, that is some serious uh, chopage. The Spy Who Came In From The Cold as well, quite a dense um, literary adaptation, needs the editing uh, yeah. on its side. Very, very, very compelling the whole way through. Yeah, it's just uh, it's great. Uh, it's 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 super super film. Um, and then quickly we've got um, uh, Paulette Goddard. I've not seen her Oscar nomination, which was so proudly we hail right. in supporting. This is what and... I was trying to look for earlier. I was looking <laughs> beforehand. We really started recording. I was looking down Paulette Goddard's thing. I thought, I know, I think she was great in something. What was it? I couldn't remember at all. <laughs> Uh, apparently, I nominated for "Hold Back the Door" in a film I can barely remember. That's De Havilland's nomination. Yeah. In well, one of, in yeah. forty-one. Yeah. Um, I've heard good things about that actually. That film. Is it alright? Uh, it was okay. It was mm. okay. I mean, but the, uh, other De Havillands are better. Right. Yeah. Obviously. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Obs. Yeah, and then Alan Rene. Uh, so you've got, I've only seen Kurz last year at Marion Bad and uh, Hiroshima Monomore and I'm not I don't well I don't like Marion Bad I think Hiroshima Monomore is quite good and I thought Kurz was okay but I don't really have any interest in seeing any of his other films right but he just died um, was it last year or the year before yeah recently yeah yeah okay is that it for birthdays um Sheppard would nominee Anika Dobra which was for Klopka uh, the Trap, which was by the guy who did, ooh, Circles. Circles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and bun- Larry- the Buddle of Joy. <laughs> yeah. And Brokeback Mountain scribe, Larry McMurtry. <laughs> right. Mm. And we uh, we don't really talk that much about Brokeback Mountain, but no. good film. It is a good, it's a very, very good film. It's a very good film. <laughs> Excellent film. I remember once I was driving back home from work over Spaghetti Junction in Birmingham and I looked behind me in the, in the rearview mirror and I could see this amazing sunset and I could see it at one point in the left-hand uh, wing mirror, the right-hand wing mirror of my car, which is at the top of the hill, uh, one, of, one of the hills on Spaghetti Junction, and uh, also the rearview mirror. And so I, I took my phone out and took a picture of my um, right uh, wing mirror and, of course, I suddenly realised I was actually just doing a Brokeback Mountain shot <laughs> and so I put it. I think I put it on Facebook, saying this is my Brokeback Mountain shot, and by that I mean using the wing mirror, not my two men having sex in the tent shot. <laughs> if only Stephen Knight had used that in Lock. What 
two men having sex in a tent. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> as well, that as well, but you know, I'm sure if um, Tom Hardy had pulled in a lay-by or two, we might have seen Yeah, but some... Tom Hardy was playing Welsh in that, and you don't want to know what's going to happen with the sheep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, first bit of news. There's only two bits of news this week. Um, first is, do you remember me um, a few months ago talking about Sofia Coppola? had agreed to direct The Little Mermaid. Yes. She's now exited The Little Mermaid <laughs> due to creative differences. What a shock. Let me guess, they wouldn't let her use some random 80s indie bands on the soundtrack. Well, this is Warner Brothers. So this is Sophia Coppola. Sophia Coppola who, uh, when asked a questionnaire, what is your worst nightmare? Directing X Men Four was her answer. So okay, the thing, she's made her films independently, so she can. Do, so she's used to being able to do whatever she likes. Yeah. Because didn't Coogan put produce Marie Antoinette? Did he? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and uh, it didn't die, did it? My no, 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 no. But it did uh, all right, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, but so when you've got people like that, or your dad producing the films. <laughs> Then oh, your dad, yeah. They're, they're going to have much more faith in your artistic choices. Uh, whereas if you're doing a film like that, you've got uh, commercial responsibilities. Yeah, and she doesn't want them, evidently. No, oh, clearly not. Who can blame her? Um, Just ask Sam Taylor Johnson. <laughs> it's true. Very true. Um, okay, second bit of news. Suffragette... Um, is to open the BFI London Film Festival this year. In October, already announced, opening right. film will be wow. Suffragette. So this is starring Kerry Mulligan. Mm. Um, other people in it, Helena Bonham Carter, Meryl Streep. I think Emily Watson might be in it. Yeah. And it's, obviously, it's a film about the Suffragette movement. There, I, To my knowledge, have there been any films about the Suffragette movement? Oh, why did you have to throw this on me? Because then I could have actually... There is one off the top of my head, but I can't remember if it was TV or... This is the thing. There haven't been any high-profile cinema... I don't think any films at the cinema. Was the Bostonians about that in America? I can't remember. It it might have been the women's... It might have been, actually. That was... God, that was boring. Jesus Christ. that was uh, how you cure insomnia. That film. It's. I watched it for Red Nose. I think she won uh, some critics awards for it. In a terrible year. Yeah, horrendous year for best actress. But um, no, that is just dirge central. Um, we've got Natalie Presses in it. Yeah. That's Emily yeah. Davison, who famously threw herself under the horse, the Derby. Mm. Um. But no, I think it. I think it's amazing that we've gone all this time without this film being told in a, in a big, spe- you know, a big yeah. event film. Yeah. But um, it's directed by Sarah Gavron, who rings a bell. Did, and no. Brick Lane. Mm. That's a big one, Brick Lane. Mm. Village at the end of the world. Mm. Rings a bell. <laughs> yeah. And um. It's written by Abby Morgan. Of course it is. Oh dear. Of course it is. Um, which is a concern. Yeah, always. Given shame and the Iron Lady. The Iron Lady in particular. 
the writing on that is just an absolute train wreck. Mm. Um, so we shall see, and this is original as well. So we shall we shall see what what happens there. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's all for news. So what we are we going to have this? Romola Gary, Amory Duff, Ben Wishaw, Brendan Gleeson, Natalie Press. It's a bit it's of a like, mixed bag, like really, isn't everybody it? Everybody who's ever been in anything TV in Britain and Mel Street. <laughs> Ask Emmeline Pankhurst. <laughs> yeah, Romola Gary and uh, Kerry Mulligan and Amory Duff. This is not my cast. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Press, Helena Bonham Carter, and Meryl Streep. That is my cast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, so that's it for news. Um, right. We're going to talk about Pacino? Um, I think we've actually padded this out quite enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we can do it. We'll have about five minutes on Pacino. Uh, because we've got uh, Danny Collins coming up uh, this week. Um, the first thing to say about Pacino really is... Has there ever been a better start to a cinematic career than Al Pacino? Because it was literally year in, year out in the early 70s. It it was just absolutely phenomenal. You're looking at uh, Panic in Needle Park is 71 on the top of my head. Godfather 72, Subco 73, 74 would be... Oh, on help. Uh, Godfather Godfather 2. Godfather 2. 75 is Dog Day Afternoon. Um, I'm scroll. I'm actually getting his page up now. That was off uh, the top of my head. Yeah. Then Bobby Deerfield. Okay, fine. But then Injustice for All. I mean, it, it tails out. But that initial. I mean, some people might include Scarecrow in there as well. Uh, but for for just one per year over a five year period, that is absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's great. It's um. Him, it's Favourite sort of, of like Nicholson as well at the, at the same time was was doing. Him and Nicholson were, 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 were so what, what, where, How do you stand on on their uh, uh, who should have won when? <laughs> really, I. Oh, or would I, you have either of them win at any point? Drop that on you. Probably. Not, I. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's if I. I really like um, uh, Gene Hackman, who didn't even get nominated in '74. Oh um, yeah, the conversation is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, um, '75. As you know, actually, Pacino maybe in '75. We're think. ending on '74, '75 by the Connells. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think Pacino was um, really, really better than Jack in '75. I would say yeah. so. I think I have him runner up in seventy one and seventy two. Seventy two to Sean Connery in the offence, who's unbelievably good. That's by Sidney Lumet. Um then I but I have him win for um uh Serpico. And then I sort of go uh the other way round to what most people probably would. I think most people would have Pacino winning for Godfather Two and then uh Nicholson win for one for the Cookies Nest. I I have Jack winning for Chinatown and uh Pacino winning for Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, it's a better way around for me, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was he was great in lead in The Godfather as well, uh, which I don't understand why there wasn't a place in lead for him there. No. No, it's. Uh... Do I you guess... want to talk about the? Didn't he go? Yeah, 
Yeah, sorry. I was just going to talk about the 90s resurgence, mm. big 90s resurgence for him. Mm. Well, I, I, of his latest stuff, I actually nominate him for Insomnia. I also nominate him for Donnie Brasco. Uh, and then, but then you have the early stuff like your Carlito's Ways and your Scent of a Woman's and Glenn Gary Glenn. I mean, Scent of a Woman and Glenn Glary, Glenn, Glary, Glenn Ross as a double is an interesting one because they're just they're different characters, but they're both uh, acerbic and in your face and shouty. Yeah. Uh, whereas you might argue his, his work in Godfather 3 is more interesting. But then Dick Tracy, I mean, he went big. In the early 90s. He went hammy. big and hammy. And you look at City Hall. So even something like City Hall, he's he, he doesn't. Whenever there's a moment to uh, milk it, he will. Um, but I think probably uh, Heat's a very. Probably his least uh, big performance in that uh, period. And it's probably also his best. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's again. He kicked. He kicked back in with a string of uh, very, in, uh, if not great, interesting performances. I'd even add Devil's Advocate and Any Given Sunday into those as, as well. I would say Sea of Love, very underseen film. I've seen. I've seen like thirty minutes here and there. That's good. He's good in it. Mm. Um, and Justice for All. Mm, he's fine in it. I like but it. it. I, I, I do. I do enjoy it. But it's a, it's a terrible year in general. 79, I mean, people go on about the 70s, I mean, it's, I think it's been wasteland. <laughs> I think apart You've from just like, raved about the 70s. Well, no, I hear the 70s, bit. but as a whole, the, for American cinema, outside of about four or five directors, I don't think it's very good at all. And it's not as if um, world cinema was particularly great in that that decade either. I mean, I'd, prob- I'd probably nominate Injustice for All in 79. I mean, it's, it's, it's just terrible. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I mean, he is my win, but I mean, who else is there? I mean, who else is there that year? I mean, Hoffman? Incredible. Who's, who's your win? I think Pacino might be my win for Injustice for All. You've got um, Roy Scheider. Uh, Lemon in the China Syndrome. Oh, great. He's so great in that. Um, I've got Sheen um, now. A couple there must of be somebody else. What about Quadrophenia? Uh, not really my sort of thing. But then all the, the guy in Quadrophenia... I mean, then you get into real sort of struggle territory. Um, I think in Ron Liebman in Norma Ray might be in my top ten. It's utterly ridiculous. God. But anyway. What about Shai Guller? Shai, yeah, he's I know him obviously. Yeah, Hannah Shai Guller that that year for Marriage and Maria Brown because we were talking about um, Fassbin the last week. Total win, even over Field and Weaver and Kinski and Deneuve. And the Johnny and Redgrave and Fonda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what well, Weaver for what? Uh, alien. Oh right. Yeah. Right. Preconceptions. Cool. Uh, this week we're doing uh, Danny Collins' Man Up, A Girl Walks Home at Night, and San Andreas. Mhm. Mm. Preconceptions for Danny Collins. Um, looked a fun time actually. I, I like the trailer. I just didn't have time to see it. Mm-hmm. I would have been seeing it tonight, but I'm doing the podcast, so I can't. Um, blame me for having a life last week. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, 
So, but yes, uh, Benning looked nice. Sometimes she can be quite mannered, but she looked nice and natural in the, in the few clips in the trailer. Uh, Pacino looked like he was having fun. I hope he wasn't going to be having it up too much, but it looked like a fun character for him to get his teeth into. Uh, I thought the uh, uh, Bobby Cannavale, as his, as his long lost son uh, storyline, looked potentially trite and uh, dull and annoying. Mm-hmm. That was preconception. But uh, in general, um, it looked cheesy but fun. Okay. I didn't see the trailer, mm. so I didn't know about Bobby Cannavale. Mm. All I knew was that Pacino was playing a washed-up rock star, and we just talked about Pacino. Pacino can be great. He can be prone to overacting. Oh, always. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, not always, but he's he's always got a chance of doing it. He's always on the line. Yeah. He's on the fine line. So. Oh, the insider. We didn't mention the insider. Yeah. Very, very good on the scene. Uh, perfect on the scene on the beach. Mm. And he's probably better than Crow in the last hour of that film. <laughs> well, it's about three and a half. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So Pacino, de- uh, generally a plus. I was hoping it was going to not be too misogynistic without being, it being about the washed up existential crisis for the guy yeah. kind of thing, you know. Uh... Man Up. Man Up. I didn't see this, mm-hmm. um, but trailer looked good. It looked like Lake Bell was very natural in it. Very, um, very modest and humility there. I felt like she was putting it on the line and she was sacrificing... Looks. <laughs> yeah, not just looks, though. I think sacrificing Allure. Right, yes. Um, and she did look good. She looked like she was going to have a lot of personality in the film and potentially make the film. Mm. Um, we've talked about the blind date thing. We could talk about it later. Um, yeah. Because I'm interested to see how they do that. Yeah. But um, I, that it in itself is slightly a scrappy conceit in this day and age. Yeah. Um, Simon Pegg can be alright, can be obnoxious. I would have seen the film. It was short. Yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. Um, I'd had a little look at the people involved behind the camera before I went to go and see it. So I knew it was written by a woman who has done uh, stuff like uh, uh, My Family. Uh, Right. I I, I knew that she'd done some... uh, uh, Rewrites on the love punch, which I thought was amusing enough in its own self. Well, it so, depends what she rewrote on it, though. <laughs> exactly. That, that Did she don't. write in the webcam scenes? <laughs> well, yes, you, you never know. Uh, I knew it was uh, directed by the guy who'd done the in between us, and that was a pretty uh, wasn't wasn't a plus for me at all. A lot of TV stuff, a lot of TV stuff I don't like, like Keith Lemon, Bo Selector type things. Oh. Uh, so that was. Uh, that was making me pretty trepidatious. Uh, Simon Pegg, as a whole, I think he's fine uh, when he's uh, being a git. When he's got to be a romantic lead, I think he's not good. Uh, let's see, um, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. Uh, the one the, with the, Rosamund Pike. Hector. Um, Hector and the Search for Happiness. Uh, he's better when he's being an acerbic um, malcontent rather than uh, a bit like me, actually. 
and drinking pints like the world's end. Yeah, he, when he's being me, he's I like him. <laughs> um, Lake Bell. I was trying to think what the first thing I saw him was, and the first thing I saw him was a film with Paul Rudd and uh, Eva Longoria called Over Her Dead Body, which is where he, you just, actually watched that. Yeah, you watched was, that film. Not on the After the three percent on Rotten Tomatoes or something, I didn't pay to go and see it. It was one of these things that was was on Sky Movies at six o'clock when you're eating, and you just get bored and just like have it on just for the sake of it. So based on that, where Lake Bell's a redhead, <laughs> good grief! Um, I, I've uh, always looked out for her. Let's put it that way. But um, was it was it bad then? It was pretty. Uh, but so it's she's just had these I've never really seen her have anything to get her teeth into like it's complicated just nothing to roll black rock nothing going on but at least with uh, the million dollar arm she, it showed some personality um, showed some charm uh, and uh, so after million dollar arm I was looking forward to doing this so um, a girl walks home alone at night this, this has been is... on hasn't it yeah it's been, it's been on. I knew it was to do with vampires. Um, I knew it had been around for a while, festivals, etc. Um, it looked weird, but it was available and um, quite short, so I decided to watch it. Um, I was expecting something like a black and white, let the right one in. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. And uh, San Andreas. Well, this is The Rock. Um, mm. The Rock is not a plus acting-wise in drama. He would be a plus for me in comedy. Yeah. Uh, he's an entertainer. The film is a disaster film. I was hoping it was going to be on the level of The Day After Tomorrow, because I thought that was good. So did I. Uh, I thought it was entertaining, had a positive message. Um I was hoping it was going to make an effort with the characters um, and tell a good story. It's something that could conceivably happen. Mm. Oh, yeah. Which, which also adds to it. It's not just a random like alien invasion or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a plus. I don't know who directed it. Um, so that's not an element. And Archie Panjabi of yeah. is in it, and she is terrific in The Good Wife. Yes. Was terrific, because she's just left, but um, really, really great. She's great in... Um, God, what else has she been in? Uh, a, a Mighty Heart. She had a small role in The Constant Gardener, but memorable. Yeah. Um, uh, she was also in A Good Year. I think she was, um, uh, was she? a rose secretary in that. Think. Uh, she was in a uh, Giovanna Mezzogiorno Quattro Formaggio with cheese. Sorry, that's an old joke from my blog. She was in a Giovanna Mezzogiorno film called uh, that I bought in Venice uh, last time I was there, blind, called Flying Lessons. Um, uh, she's she's nice in, and uh, she. I saw a film with her. I'm pretty sure where she was the lead. It was about. Mm, I can't see it. Wasn't she in Eye Origins? What, Metsujano? No. Or Punjabi? At the end. Was she? Running the um, Eye 
Uh, yes, oh, was... with the girl, with the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. running the oh, eye maybe... hospital. Yeah, maybe. That's not enough, though. She needs to do more. Yeah, but does she have... I suppose if she's got a full-time gig, uh, she doesn't really have time. Yeah, well, now she will. Anyway, yeah, so she was the yeah. big plus for me, and that, um, that's all. What about you? Uh, for me, with San Andreas, um, The Rock, I didn't like his wrestler, I like him as an actor, he's got natural charm, uh, didn't know who directed it, uh, didn't know anyone else who was in it, and basically, I, uh, I like disaster movies in general, uh, these sort of 90s ones like Independence Day, or, uh, uh, Deep Impact or uh, not necessarily Armageddon but um, so it's a, a Death of Tomorrow I thought was uh, the last good one so uh, yes it's a genre I enjoy right um, so tell me about Danny Collins Danny Collins um, Al Pacino is Danny Collins he is a rock singer from the 1970s we see him basically as a young kid Starting out, he's been interviewed. Um, the kid who plays him is the best thing ever. Nah. He doesn't say a word, but he looks exactly like Pacino does, did in the 70s. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who they've got. I don't know if he's a relation, but it's brilliant. Um, so he's starting out, He's and then it skips forward 40 years. So the promise has died. Um, Pacino's a washed-up coke addict. Oh, not so, addict, but adult. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say, is he more of a... Uh, uh, I got thought from the trailer he's going to be like a Burt Bacharach type, so is he more of a sort of like Neil Diamond? Neil Diamond, yes. Yes, yeah. that kind of thing. Depardieu and the singer, that kind of thing. <laughs> <The> brilliant film. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but he's great. <laughs> um... Yeah, it's like he's going on. He's on tour and he's got this song that's very sweet, Caroline-ish. Yeah. It's called "Hey Baby Doll." It's like "Hey Baby Doll." No, oh dear. <laughs> so it's all like that. Um, his manager's played by Christopher Plummer, which is just brilliant. Um, and one night they get really drunk, and Christopher Plummer announces that he has a letter to Danny Collins from John Lennon. Mm. It's in the trailer. Oh, that's in the trailer, is it? Well, I haven't seen yeah. the trailer, so I'm just going to have to tell you all about the trailer. Yeah. Um, so Lennon supposedly wrote this after reading an interview with the singer. Pacino reacts to this by saying that um, this that's it. You know, he's cancelling his tour, he's checking into a hotel, he's finding himself again, he's rediscovering himself. Mm. At the hotel, um, the manager's Annette Benning, and... Age-appropriate hot nerves. Can't, yeah, yeah, age-appropriate being the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, meanwhile, the reason he's chosen the hotel is because it is near his long-lost son, who's Bobby Cannavale, who lives with his wife, Jennifer Garner. And things ensue. Mm. And I'm massively, massively conflicted on this film. Really? Really conflicted. 
I thought this would be just be straight down the line average. Well, it is, but I'm conflicted on the average. <laughs> and the, the grade is average. <laughs> is this, is this, can I guess that this is because you really like Pacino and Benning, but the uh, uh, Cannavale storyline is just naff? Kind of. I like the acting tremendously, the writing is suspect. Right. Um, and It looks trite central. It looks what central? Trite central. Mm. Well, it's manipulative. So you've got two elements of plague in the family. I don't know if any of this is in the trailer. Mm. Both of them are medical. No, I don't think they don't think they have this. Um, and because of that, it enables Pacino to help out with the family without right. receiving much opposition. Mm. Because at the end of the day, who is going to turn down something that can make such a difference? Yeah. You know, if, if you say... If Pacino suddenly turns up and says, well, I'll pay for the treatment, rah, 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 rah. Yeah. And they say, no, that's just stupid. Nobody's going to do yeah. that, even if you hate him. Mm. But this this typifies the whole problem with the film. So you've got people like um, Jennifer Garner, who's just great in this film, mm. making, this, making the character work, making the family dynamic work, um, even though the writing is way too contrived uh, yeah. and over the top and shoddy at times. So it's it's just, I feel like in general, the acting sells it so, so well. And the writing isn't disastrous, um, but um, it's just got so much, so many issues, so many issues. Mm. Um, I want to mention first the girl who plays the... Daughter, the granddaughter of Al Pacino in the film, who is this? I think she's supposed to be about six or seven, and she's got ADHD. The character, yeah, and she, what a bundle of sunshine this kid is! Like, she's really great. It's sort of shades of Quinn Cummings in The Goodbye Girl, you know, really, really good. Um, I feel like I should offer her name, yeah. But I cannot find it at the moment, but I will. Right. Um, but she's really good. Um, also, Annette Benning, you're right. She's great. Mm-hmm. She, her and Pacino have wonderful chemistry. You could believe the relationship. I don't know what you saw in the trailer. Was a just banter him like asking her out all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's basically what it was. But then, even though she's saying no. Um, you could tell that she's into it. It's it's kind of good because she gives him back what he gives her. And, you know, it's really um, believable in that way. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's believable because of the writing. I think there's some snappy dialogue in there. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's because of the, the way that the actors sell it. Um, primarily, anyway. Um, no, no. Giselle Eisenberg. What's that? The girl who plays the daughter. She's... I'm, just, I'm just seeing if it's a relation. It's got to be a... can't be a little sister, can it? Is it? I don't know. He doesn't say. <laughs> You'd think it would say. Her older sister, Julia Eisenberg. Mm. So if it's... I, I don't think they would have gone with that, would they? 
No. Is it um, she's played Leo and Margot Robbie's daughter in The Wolf of Wall Street? She's great. Mm. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm just really conflicted on the film. I think the script in general feels massively unfinished. So it leaves you on a cliffhanger, which is not necessarily bad, but then it fails to tie up anything. So you've got these elements. You've got Pacino's career path. Um, yeah. He, he's writing his own. He's writing new material. He's meanwhile Plummer wants him to go back on the tour. He's also occasionally dabbles in coke, borderline yeah. alcoholic. You've got all so these. It, so, so the end isn't a uh, baby. You're gonna miss that train, that plane moment, and uh, you know exactly what's gonna happen. No. You don't know what's going to happen. It, it's no, it's no, it's in the middle. But the problem for me is that it doesn't even hint. Right. I don't feel like the script is is making it open ended because it wants us to project our own view. I feel as if the script is so unevenly cobbled together to the point where he doesn't have time to resolve the issues. Or he can't resolve them in a way that would make sense. Or he'd have to add another half an hour to an already fairly... To flesh it out. Yeah. And not just half an hour at the end, half an hour all the way through. So I feel like there needs to be a bit of work on the script to make it... um, To make it feel a bit more authentic. But then it is messy in a good way also because it doesn't feel cliched or neat. If you get Does it surprise you that this is the guy who wrote Crazy Stupid Love? No. <laughs> no. Not at all. No, because Chris... Last, Ve- Last Vegas, so age-appropriate hotness. I was actually going to mention Mary Steenbergen. Why? When you were, when you were talking about um, Benny being age-appropriate, I was going to say, well, like Mary Steenbergen in Las Vegas. Yeah. Well, they actually do. It's interesting because I was very heartened by the fact that Pacino isn't... His love interest isn't like a 40-year-old or something. Yeah, and but then I mean, Plummer, Pacino says, um, Plummer says something like, "Oh, is this the new one?" Referring to Benning, and Pacino says, "Yes, an age appropriate." And Plummer says, "Not exactly." <laughs> so they're even commenting on the age gap between Pacino and Benning, which is probably about fifteen years, mm. which is I thought was interesting as well, unless yeah. the script is yeah. supposed to have a younger woman. And it's Benny. Well, I don't know. I don't know. So, but anyway, in any case, that was a heartening element. The film isn't mis- misogynistic, which is good. Yeah. Um. And I just feel like, I just feel like it needs a lot of rewriting. Um. But then, which is ironic considering it's come from a, a screenwriter making his debut beyond the camera. Yeah. The th- well, actually, Crazy Stupid Love. Very funny, mm. undoubtedly funny, mm. um, but messy. Yeah, yeah. I would say the same for this. Um, Pacino, I don't think he's been this good in a long, long time. Mm. Really, really like great. He's having fun. Really great. Just, it's sort of like charm, but it's beyond charm. It's, um, it's, it's char- charisma. You know, yeah. it's really, and he really gives it vitality and 
you can you can believe that anybody would kind of fall into the lap of this person. It's just something magnetic. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's it's a real tour de force for the film. Um, Stuff. Great. C plus. Um, mm. But it definitely definitely worth a rental just because it's very watchable. It, I just think it it's got a lot of problems. Right, uh, man up, then. All right, yeah. all right, <laughs> I'll try. Ma- come on, Reed, man up. <laughs> man up begins with Lake Bell. Bell, 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 Bell. <laughs> Lake Bell, on a train, trying to get to her parents' 40th wedding anniversary. On said train, she doesn't strike up a conversation with some, with a young girl, a young girl of about 24 years old of age, strikes up a conversation with her, uh, commenting on how much of a mess she is and uh, what she can do to uh, improve her lot in life. Uh, this girl has a self-help book um, mm. and uh, suggests that Belle read it, Belle refuses. Uh, but she, uh, she says she would give her her copy of this, uh, but she needs it because she's going to meet uh, someone for a blind date, and the book is how the other person will recognise her. Lake Bell falls asleep, and she awakens to find the copy of the book left with uh, uh, from the girl as a gift, anyway. And she chases after the girl to go and um, uh, give the book back. The girl walks off into the station. It's a best-selling book, and she just goes straight into W. H. Smith and tries to buy a new one. While Belle is underneath the big clock, looking round desperately to find this poor lass who she doesn't even like. Um, uh, Simon Pegg is the guy, and he comes up and uh, mistakes her for his blind date. And late Belle's had so much, uh, so many bad things going on with blokes that she decides to uh, give it a go anyway. And uh, uh, the film then is about their night together. Right? Can I? Can I? I've got. I've got two issues. The first what? issue. Yes. If she's a good enough person to chase after this girl, yeah. why is she not a good enough person to say I'm not your date? Well, uh, the well, the very very beginning of the film is her at some uh, a friend's engagement party and she gets put, set up on a blind date and it just goes terribly um, and to begin with she didn't even want to um, go downstairs and so her sister's like ringing her up and telling her to go downstairs and then but she's all, uh, she's ordering room service and she, she's like so the sister's all got the guy giving the room service to uh, she's like got him on the phone and saying hand her the dress physically hand her the dress so she's quite reluctant really quite a reluctant person uh, why someone that reluctant would then go uh, completely against character and everybody comments uh, when she's out and she, they can't get on the phone. He goes, oh, this is so out of character, but this is what you've been uh, urging her to do for so long, blah, 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 blah. So it is, um, I suppose, the culmination of uh, her being so desperate and being fight- and being nagged at for so long to actually put herself out there. Um, but really, it's because... Um, She's into like uh, 80s films. Uh, she, she spends the night in the hotel when she's deciding to, when she doesn't want to go out. She spent it watching Silence of the Lambs 
to which she knows every single word. Oh my god, and, that's uh, grim. So, so Peg starts quoting some like random eighties films, including Science of the Lambs, and so that she sees some like potential that she might like him. But frankly, the, big, the bigger issue with this is just Simon Peg. It's just <laughs> wouldn't. I just don't see how he's that charming. When she goes on about how much potential she sees potential, I'm thinking, really? You see potential in some divorced guy who wants to shack up with a 24-year-old triathlete? Can we get onto the issue that we were talking about last week of the fact people do not go on dates without knowing what the other looks like? No, because the apparently, first. Oh, go on. Yeah, go, go on. Well, apparently. I read a little interview with the uh, woman who's written this, and this actually happened to her. When? But, this is the thing, apparently she's been trying to get the film made for over ten years. So, so, the, so uh, okay, yes, it is a, a nice meet-cute, it, it is a good way to start it off, but you've got to set it in 2000. You've got to set it then, you can't you set, set it set now. it when, yeah... Because when AOL was a new thing. <laughs> because it, uh, this is this is not giving that much of myself away. Uh, Cal's mentioned it a few times. I think I even might have. That, um, I've done some on, uh, internet, internet dating. If I say that I'm meeting some to my friends in the pub, I'm meeting somebody this weekend. Yeah. The first word, the one word that comes out of their mouth next is picture. Yeah. Show me a photo. Yeah, show me a photo. Because they know you've got a photo. And if you haven't got a photo, then they're thinking, well, why are you seeing it? <laughs> because obviously you're not showing it. But that is the whole point. It is the immediate reaction is picture. Because yeah. you wouldn't go out with someone without one. Yeah. I mean, I've, now, done, I've done in, um, internet dating. And I think I would say, firstly, every anyone who is listening to this, if there is anyone, um, yeah. who is thinks it's tacky, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's you can meet good people, and what I would say is, but you, I mean, this is why it's so good. This you save a lot of bother. Yeah. You you don't have yeah. to spend an evening with someone thinking I'm not attracted to this person. No, because you, you get that out of the way first. Yeah. Beforehand. Or at it's least half be... the battle anyway. Yeah, because obviously the personality personality can ruin it. Yeah. But uh, I I had a friend. Uh, who uh, did online dating for a while and didn't really get anywhere. And uh, uh, my point with him was, they obviously like what you look like, otherwise they wouldn't be showing up. So there's no pressure in that respect. The, the hard part's done. And then you just let your really great personality shine through and then you'll just... It'll be fine. But, but with this... Um, so, yeah, it doesn't work in a modern way and also it doesn't even work in the modern way with a friend setting you up because this isn't about online dating this is about some uh, people who a mutual friend has set them up again Facebook it's, it's yeah. not necessarily just an online dating thing there is no way that you would show me a picture of him does this belong in the Bridget Jones is this Bridget yes. Jones-ish yes yes Lake Bell's character is basically a mess she is a fair few scenes of her talking to herself in a mirror, trying to chivvy, trying to practice things about what to say, or just to chivvy herself up, all that sort of thing. It is about embarrassment. She has Rory Kinnear has a never been worse role. As Broken? Of, uh, no, oh, no, this is so bad. He, he plays a guy who is at the bowling alley that they go to, 
and uh, used to be at primary school with Lake Bell or something like that, and he's been obsessed with her ever since. And so then, because he knows who she is, he decides to try and blackmail her into having sex with him in the toilets, if or, or kissing him, kissing him in the toilets, if uh, he won't uh, let uh, tell Peg what's going on. And uh, so it is to do. So for some reason, Peg then decides to burst in the toilets um, to uh, get her for some reason, as if you ever would. <laughs> yeah. And so it's all—it's all to do with like uh, the Bell's embarrassment. Those two just like getting into arguments all the time. Uh, it seems to think. Uh, it seems to think that um, getting into, uh, literally getting angry with each other counts as banter. <laughs> I don't think he necessarily does. Right. Um, but then on the on the flip side of it, in order to try and flesh out Peg, he's got a, his ex-wife is um, is getting divorced that day. He's got the divorce papers, and it's Olivia Williams in a ridiculous um, bob, black, straight black bob haircut with a fringe. She looks terrible, um, and uh, so he's uh, it's there's a there's stuff to do with that for him, and it's just it feels a bit too neat. It's not funny. That's the problem. It's not funny. Uh, there's a couple of amusing moments and, and, and scenes in general, but mostly it's just trite. And so uh, it, it relies solely on Lightbell in order in order to save it. And, and she and she tries her heart, bless her. Oh <laughs> she bless her cotton socks. She really does try. You don't notice the accent. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've heard a lot about the accent being really good. Yeah, but it doesn't get in the way of her being very natural, and so you, it's not a focal point of it. Uh, you just really just concentrate on uh, her. She's, she's really concentrating on what she's getting, uh, trying to express uh, with her, uh, with her, with a face and a body and emotions, all that sort of thing. Uh, and she does that very well. They do de-glamour a bit. They certainly don't try and make her look that attractive, uh, or as attractive as she actually is. Uh, maybe that's with fringe. Maybe that's with um, just lack of uh, great makeup, or especially, or they try and do it with clothes, stupid hat, uh, poor dress sense. Yeah. Um, it uh, they, they they glamour down a bit, and it works in that regard. But I just never really get it within this dynamic why she would think Peg was so great. Not because of Peg, or necessarily all the way he looks, just from his character, and uh, he's just not that appealing. And when he overreacts to a load of things as well. Um, all the time, and so she's getting in her face or, or what have you. But it's it's better than something like Hexen Search for Happiness, but not by much. And it's certainly uh, it doesn't do uh, it doesn't do what it says on the tin enough uh, to merit really being recommendable, even for the genre. Oof. Mm. Four or five. Four because of Bell. Um, without her, it would be a very, very low two stars. I don't think it would ever be terrible, but there's some cringe-worthy moments in there. Okay. Mm. Right. Mm. So, a girl walks home alone at night. And what does she do? I will tell you. Uh, <laughs> so this is an Iranian film. It's set in a mysterious ghost town called bad city in which a there's a guy called Rashi and he lives with his junkie father one day um, the car that he's basically he's saved for six years to buy this car he's really chuffed with it 
um, and it's taken from him by a drug dealer who his father owes money to. But, but on the way home, the drug dealer meets this mysterious woman or girl walking home um, who he believes is a whore. It turns out that she's actually a vampire preying on folk um, of an evening. And she he takes her back to his house. She kills him and leaves. Meanwhile, Arashi follows, um, unbeknownst to him, goes to get his car back and reason with him and obviously finds him dead, takes the car back. And he then takes over his business dealing drugs. However, somebody convinces him to try some drugs. He ends up wandering around the city and happens upon this woman. Right. So, it's very, very odd. Is it stylish? Very. Mm. Shades of Wong. Really? It's Except it's black and white. Um, well, yeah, but... You mean framing-wise? Um, or story-beat-wise? I would say framing-wise, I would say both. I'd say more story-beat-wise. I think that the odd um, the, the odd strange angle close-ups that Wong has. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I, may, I mainly mean in terms of theme. Um, yeah. Because it's sort of like Jarmusch meets Wong. So it's like, uh, yeah. so I was th- yeah. the Wongness is the, about this kind of two lost souls happening upon each other, um, lonely, um, coming together through the loneliness, you know, the in the mood for love kind of banality. We've, we've, we've already talked about my, my online dating, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think Matt's going to be asking you to be on an advert no. anytime soon. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's yeah except so it, it's also got musical cues except it's sort of late 80s early 90s but it's not Wong style musical yeah. cues it's sort of new romantic um, brick pop I think there's a no, pu- nice. there's a pulp song in there that I'd never heard of before mm. actually I'd like to search the soundtrack I might do that as I'm talking mm. Right. Um, yeah, so that's really interesting, and and then you've got the Jarmusian elements, um, which is the fact that it's black and white, and it's very American in ways that are really strange. So it's like it's sort of like a like a neo western film. So it's got like this twangy western music, um, while it's black and white, and everyone in it's Iranian. Um, and it's got this Western music, but at the same time, it's being played. It's sort of like it's being played with sitars. It's strange. It's like you could tell it's not American, but it's it's sort of an Eastern way of presenting American music, which is really, yeah. really interesting. And the main guy in it is very James Dean in Rebel Without a Cause. Hmm. So it's got this kind of like brooding American suburbs. You know, this guy, his dad's a junkie um, who can't help himself. James Dean's dad in um, Rebel Without a Cause was in a wheelchair. Mm. Um, 
and James Dean had a whole hang up about that. Um, so there's that element to it. Um, he's this guy's dynamic. He's looking to better himself. So it's it ha does have that shades of fifties America to it, even though it's in this essentially Iranian setting. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's where you get the Jarmushian stuff, like the only lovers left alive, kind of yeah. hipstery. Like, slightly hipstery vibe to it. I didn't mind Only Lovers Left Alive. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, this is good. <clears throat> I would say it doesn't have much of a story. Uh, it's more of a success in its concept than its story. Uh, in terms of genre, general genre, uh, better than Midnight Sun? I'd say, it, yeah. I'd, I'd put it on the Only Lovers Left Alive level. <clears throat> Um, but that's only because it didn't, I would say, I don't think it has as interesting characters as Only Lovers Left Alive, but it's more interesting because it's such a unique thing. Presentation. Yeah. It's such a unique attempt at genre film. Um, and it's sort of like you've seen a rom <clears throat> the romance, I would say the romance is relatively worth caring about. So mm. the vampire has romance with this guy basically that's what happens um, mm. and that is the reason to see it could do with more plot mm. does feel like it has music to compensate for not a lot of dialogue mm. slightly music video-y video -y at times but I think it's really clever I think for a debut it's amazing I think mm. this, this woman who's directed it is definitely somebody to watch. Um, I like the idea of the kind of girl walking home alone at night being subverted from, you know, the girl being... Potential victim, yeah. abused, yeah. to, yeah, in control. Yeah. yeah, that's a really clever idea. Um, uh, just a really, really something I've never seen before. So, B+. Plus. Nice. Um, yes, film of the week. San Andreas. Certainly the loudest film of the week. Yes, yeah, the most film of the week. But <laughs> right, San Andreas, I take it this is me. Yeah. <laughs> San Andreas uh, is about uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock who is a helicopter rescue pilot. Um, the film begins with him doing an improbable rescue just to show how amazing he is. And then he gets home and you find out that he's uh, got uh, uh, an estranged wife who's on the brink of divorcing him. And uh, he's trying to uh, salvage a relationship with his uh, daughter in the process. Um, in the meantime, uh, Paul Giamatti is uh, trying to perfect a method of predicting earthquakes because he's a seismologist and quite frankly that's how he rolls uh, whilst trying to predict uh, a earthquake at the Hoover Dam he uh, ends up in, in the midst of a monster earthquake at the Hoover Dam and then a series of earthquakes uh, start going off up along the San Andreas Fault towards San Francisco and the rock finds himself trying to rescue various members of his family as everything goes to hell. Mm -hmm. 
And if Taken had three times the budget, um, this might be Taken. <laughs> uh, given the father-daughter relationship probs, mm. um, which I really was the worst element of the film for me. Um, be- no, uh, Johan Griffith was the worst element of the film for me. Who was he? Oh, uh, the, the new the new boy. Oh, of course. Yeah, just, but the, not because not because he was bad, just because of how it was written. It was just terrible. That happens in Taken Three, actually. Really, <laughs> he's, a, he's the dick in Taken Three, not him, but the yeah, same yeah. character. Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was bad. They can't have um, a reconciliation without the other guy being a douche. Yeah. Mm. Um. Why is why is the Rock's daughter white? <laughs> because this is a physical impossibility. And he has a daughter in real life. She's far from white. Yeah. And he's with um, uh, College Eugenio as well. well. The thing is, The Rock is... Um, his dad played... Samoan. Yes. He's got Samoan uh, blood in him, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but, I don't know. I guess it's just because they want someone fit. Yeah. Yeah. And she's too fit for that role. And she doesn't get... I mean, we watch The Impossible, for instance. There's a yeah. scene in this where, I mean, there's so much that a city has been washed. It's like cities washed into buildings, you know. Yeah. The outside's been washed into the inside. There's so, there must be so much rubble and debris and etc. etc. Mm. And you know, in The Impossible, you see what happens in The Impossible, where yeah. she gets mauled basically by yeah. all that. And there's yeah. not the the not the least hint of the, that in this. It's pretty unrealistic in that respect, in that where you see like straight away like um, cuts, massive cuts from because everything is going to be flying, it's going to be going through that uh, the water. Yeah, it's it's picking up everything. It's just going to be ramming it into. It doesn't matter. It's it's just going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, I think this. I my my big thought process for this one was. Very, very watchable, but it really, really wants to be the day after tomorrow. And it doesn't do the things that the day after tomorrow does as well as the day after tomorrow does them. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's identical I mean, in, in, in a sense that you've got the dad traveling a massive, distance, impossible journey in order to rescue his child. Mm-hmm. And the child's actually doing okay on their own-ish. Um, but this, the, that, that film spent so much more time mining... Yeah, better relationships Sm- and even, better char- even small relationships it worked hard what you know I don't understand why um, the um, why the daughter and the English people don't meet anyone else there's never any grap- there's never any discussion you never get any sense of what people on the ground are thinking how the truth and the writing is and the writing is so lazy it's just like the, the daughter's coming out with all these ways to stay alive and he says how do you know this is because my dad because my dad's a, a rescue person that doesn't explain how you know it and I'm sorry if your dad is let, oh, if your dad is a solicitor which mine is that doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily know all the ins and outs of uh, industrial tribunals just because that's what my dad does yeah it's ugh. yeah um what I would say I did like the English people in it. I thought the lab, the lab was good. I like the older lad. 
I thought, was, I thought we had a nice little presence. I thought they were much needed in the film, and I would have preferred... I definitely preferred to watch the three younger kids, uh, the younger teens or young 20-year-olds in it. Dwayne and Carla. Yeah. Mm. I like Giamatti. I thought Giamatti did well with the... He's not given anything particularly to do, apart from just to spout the, it off and look ominous. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought Giamatti did well with it. I mean, Panjabi's got... Absolutely nothing to do. That was a shame. Yeah. Mm. But uh, I, I, it's only now, looking at the cast list with the characters' names, that I realised why Kylie was in the film. I couldn't figure out who she was. She's supposed to be Yoren uh, Griffith's wife, or ex-wife, or something like that. I guess, or maybe sister. She's got the same name. I had no idea why Kylie was. Oh, in really? I thought she was just a friend. No, she's got the same surname. Well, that wasn't very well explained. No. No. But it relies on a lot of... um, Well, if this would have been made ten years ago, it would have been too close to September 11th, I think. Because it relies a lot on that sort of imagery. Yeah. Uh, But I did find... I must say, I think uh, there were probably about three or four occasions, usually when uh, Dwayne and Carla are on a boat or something like that, and you've got the... uh, uh, the green screen obviously behind them I thought that was the only times when the special effects really uh, came noticeably uh, uh, special effecty I thought there was one moment where the where the big massive one goes off and you see the whole bay just shake yeah and that, that was a really arresting visual moment and that was uh, I thought that was really really well executed yeah I thought it looked good in, I thought the visual effects were good in general um I don't think they were as good as The Day After Tomorrow. And uh, we're talking 10 years ago for The Day After Tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and it was just done so much more artfully. I don't... I think this is probably more expensive. Mm, I think it's like 120, I think. I read somewhere. Yeah. Um, I want to bitch about it. I actually think this is an alright film. I think it's okay. I do as well. Um, because it does have elements to it that I like, uh, and it's it is dumb, but it's not. And this does dumb. do what it says on the tin. It just doesn't do it particularly well, but it does do what it says it says on the tin. Yeah, yeah. I want to. So I want to bitch about the moment Joe right around the week, mm. um, that it steals from Titanic. Do you know what uh, I mean? Uh, vaguely. The yacht. And the there's a moment where there's a huge big cruise ship kind of yes comes into the bay, um, and it's gonna wash away everyone. And there's a kiss between an elderly couple. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it just like it just reminded me of Titanic with the couple on the bed holding hands. Do you remember mm. when the water's rising up? I thought it was particularly. I think in Titanic it is really, a really really poignant moment. That's the right side of manipulative, mm. and I think in San Andreas it's indicative of the film, uh, the fact that it doesn't try hard enough to um, to earn the sentiment. The fact that that just gets thrown in like that. Um, well, it's like the scene at the beginning when the uh, uh, 
Paul Giamatti's colleague <laughs> meets his comeuppance and he literally throws the girl into Giamatti's arms. Yeah. Yeah. And then not a word is mentioned about that guy after. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, there are, there are, there are silly moments in this and that's why I do think it is entertaining because it is... I don't use... Yeah, it is laughable. That is the way it, But it sounds harsh that it's laughable and it's implausibility, but it means it's kind of... You don't take it seriously and so it's... Um, kind of a better time because of that I think if this was deadly serious uh, then um, it might have a few more problems yeah it's got it's got the Emmerich vibe I don't think it's as good I don't think it's even as good as an Emmerich film no um, if something like Indep- I don't think it's as good as Independence Day mm, no 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 um, but it does have it does have small things um mm. I think, what do you think about the daughter's blind faith in the dad? Is it a bit much considering this? I mean, this is a pretty huge deal. Yeah. It's worse than climate change. (laughs) Really? (laughs) If you think about it, it's pretty devastating if this ever happened. No, No, there's no no, um, real reason for them. It's not like Taken where you think, okay, my dad's biggest badass he'll he'll sort it out yeah uh it's less believable than that because nature and it's just going to be killing that is going to be killing tens of thousands of people indiscriminately it doesn't matter how it's just blind luck it doesn't matter how tough a guy you are in that scenario yeah i think the problem is that the film's focus is way too much on action mm. it needed less action um it needed more character it needed even two, three scenes of the young kids meeting other people who are in a similar situation. I think a good little example of that is something like they, uh, The Rock um, uh, goes and picks up uh, Carla and then on the way out then suddenly they, the, uh, uh, the the helicopter has to crash. I mean, why does the helicopter have to crash afterwards? Just to ramp up a bit more problematic uh, problems for, for everybody that it has to be from that thing going wrong to that thing going wrong to that thing going wrong to so it's just escape, 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 escape the whole time. Yeah. I think uh, you don't. I think a little more nuance. I agree with you in the narrative would have been very welcome. Yeah, and then of course you he meets that guy. He's like, how, "Where's your hat come from?" Mm-hmm. Which is something mm-hmm. that might be in a film with more nuance. It might be, you know, but it's still something that's kind of like really. <laughs> that was the seeking a friend for the end of the world end of the world moment. <laughs> what was that? No, just when she says, like, oh, I'm going to go and fly myself there because you haven't thrown a plane. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> right. Oh, anyway. my God. <laughs> Before we get on a Kira digression, uh, great then. C. <laughs> yeah, uh, five, uh, average film, uh, three stars, five out of ten. Cool. All right, so Shaq, Mario, Kill. Well, I would shag Danny Collins because I do want to watch it, but I suppose um, I've got to do uh, of the of your two. Yeah, that's the one I'm going to shag. So I between Man Up and San Andreas. Oh, I would I would watch Andre- I'd marry San Andreas because it's an easy watch. Yeah. Uh, and I'd probably kill Man Up just because even though it's finally Lake Bell being given something to do and her doing it well, she just hasn't got enough to work with. Okay. I would marry um, a girl walks home alone at night. 
I would shag Danny Collins and I'd kill San Andreas because it has the least reason to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, the position. Interesting week. It is. It's, it's the... Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, with mana... It's the Rebella Thorn this week. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting Has is, um, research been done? Has <laughs> research been done? Right, uh, man up. Um, Be- Bell is a Sadu. Right. Potential, potential yes, but a Sadu. Uh, the 24 year old triathlete. Boost, Bell Boost not applying this week. No. Uh, the uh, 24 year old triathlete is played by a woman called uh, Ophelia Lovey Bond, and she is a. Uh, oh, Saldana situation. Because the character is so annoying. I found her less attractive. Right. However, shockingly, <laughs> uh, Sharon Horgan plays um, uh, Belle's older sister, and I'm going to go with yes on that one. That is Shane Horgan's sister. What? A rugby player. <laughs> what? I know exactly what? who you mean. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take that over Poots and. Uh, with San Andreas, uh, Carla, potentially back in the day, not now, and... Uh, uh, Alexandra Daddario. Yeah, Rock Jr. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, apparently um, 29. Really? Yeah. <laughs> She's older than me. Great. Um, bits of chipmunkies, but... Uh, yeah, so I think we're going for a position of third. Okay. Oh, Kylie? Oh, she looked great fourth. <laughs> <laughs> Archie? Mm. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so fourth. At least we didn't get the Kylie emission, for God's sake. <laughs> the Ely emission would have been Kylie, that would have been terrible. Alright, um. Oh. Okay, so the Garrett Gage this week. We've got Danny Collins, Al Pacino. Puts the no in Pacino. <laughs> Is that the podcast title? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the gay and engaging. Mm. The no in Pacino. Bobby Cannavale. I don't know if it's a no or he's been said, dude. I don't know if it's a, like a not anymore or... Yeah. But, I mean, nice. ten Be years nice. ago, absolutely. Say dude mm. from Bobby Cannavale. Mm. Um... We go on to Man Up. Was there anyone in Man Up that might have featured? No. Was there a, uh, another interest apart from Peg? The, the, well, uh, for, well, Rory Kinnear. No. Um, and um, the uh, what you had was um, Olivia Williams' new bloke um, who was played by... Give me three seconds... Played by Stephen Campbell Moore, but um, he's not uh, the Stephen Campbell Moore of uh, 12, 12, 15 years ago. So uh, I doubt that would be a yes, highly. Mm-hmm. Mm. A girl walks home alone at night. Iranian James Dean is close, but no. <laughs> <laughs> um, San Andreas the Rock is being said, dude. Ooh, harsh. Um, because he could look... It's not because he looks necessarily bad. He just could look better. He could look better. 
um, to the extent where he could be better than Garrett, but mm. not this week. Mm. And um, Grifford, no. no. And the young guy, <laughs> no. No, he's not your type. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a 1.0 on the gauge this week. Next. It's too high bar, I tell you, it's too high bar. <laughs> not for you. <laughs> <laughs> Next week we have Spy uh, with Melissa McCarthy and Rose Byrne and yeah, Jason Rose Statham. And... I, I am looking forward to it, even though Rose Byrne. <laughs> I think Rose Byrne's playing a Russian. Yeah, but uh, yeah. as long as as long as <laughs> no response in that scene in the trailer, it's McCarthy taking the mick out of her, which I think will be fine. I don't want her to have to force the comedy like in that awful. Um, uh, speech off thing in Bridesmaids, a speech off scene where the, her and Wigger just going into each other. It's one of the worst moments in the whole film. That was cringe, though. That was supposed to be cringe. I know, but it wasn't good. Mm. <laughs> we have Survivor next week. Insidious three. What is Survivor? Survivor is Pierce Brosnan, and Mila Jovovich. Yeah, and other people are in it as well. Great. It's a 169 minute... Uh, 169 minutes? Wait. What? <laughs> 169 minute uh, film. A dysfunctional Punjabi family embarking on a cruise holiday around the Mediterranean. This new romantic drama from Joya Akhtar. Okay. Is that a no? <laughs> Do you want romantic... that in writing? Or... How's a romantic drama 169 minutes? Oh, Priyanka Chopra. Oh, good grief. Um, I think Miss Poots can be extraordinarily thankful I'm not going to see that one. <laughs> um, we also have Black Coal Thin Ice. Is that officially oh, is that out? out next week? Interesting. Which Poots might also may not be thankful for. Yeah. Um, we also have Queen and Country, which is the John Bowman sequel to Hope and Glory. Look who it, is it, longest has sequel seen, ever. Oh, has anyone seen Hope and Glory? I've ne- <laughs> never heard anyone talk about it. I've seen it. It mm. bored me to tears. It was alright. <laughs> I think I've tried to watch the first ten minutes once. That's obviously not happening then. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Anything else? Anything around you next week? We- the uh, tribe. Where the hell's the tribe? It was out, but uh, it's in Wolverhampton, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and no one wants to go there ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a jam this week? Because I've got two. You've got two. You can do them both then. Okay. Well, Pete's jam <laughs> is by Tamia, and it's called Sandwich and a Soda. Girlhood. We could do Girlhood. Next one. Um, and mine is Florence and the Machine, and it's no, called Queen. I love Ship to Wreck, but um, this is Queen of Peace. It's called. It's What's good. wrong with Ship to Wreck? Well, I saw her doing it on uh, Jules, and she can't even sing in tune, so quite a bit. <laughs> the words. <laughs> the... the words. <laughs> You're not ending on poison.
find 